Radio Free Anvil is an impromptu podcast that could be about anything. Anvil will cover the current rant at the time. Highly opinionated, never apologetic, and almost always proven right, eventually. The views, topics, opinions, comments, and possible accusations are those of the expressor and are not necessarily those of the other host, other podcast, or of the management. They may not even be his, sometime Anvil will be the devil's advocate just to start a conversation. All programs on the LTIA network are at-will programs and as such you the listener can just turn it off if you are offended by the content. We are also under the legal stipulations of Let's Talk It All Network. And welcome back to Radio Free Anvil. And this week, I'd like to talk about something that is a personal peeve. Personal peeve of mine. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to give a big, big, big shout out to Daniel Class and anyone else that was involved with the psychic fair at the Statler City Hotel in Buffalo, New York this past weekend. Uh, what a great time. What a great venue. Uh, the thing was only five hours long. It was from one to six. Uh, probably one of the shorter uh, second fairs I've been at. Uh, but we had people and they had galleries. They had chip coffee up there doing uh, a VIP gallery at four o'clock. And then they had uh, selected psychic mediums uh, from the region, they had uh, my wife Alani was the first one to go at one o'clock, and then they had uh, another young lady up there that was from the region. I can't remember her name was off the top of my head, and then they had Chelsea Gill and Tim Shaw at three o'clock uh, to Ford lead into Chip coming in. Uh, the galleries were great from what I understood. I was busy at my own table doing tarot reads, but. Uh, Anytime Daniel's involved, he always puts on a good show. Uh, the space was great. Uh, plenty of vendors, plenty of readers, and uh, just enough just enough guests to, you know, no one was getting, you know, Donald Trump rich, but everyone had some business for the most part and made some money after costs. So it was a good show. Uh, nice laid back um, So really had a good time enjoyed it. Alani had a great time uh, She had the gallery reading at 1 o'clock like I said uh, I know she got at least one person to cry And that is usually the standard we go by If if Alani can get one person to cry She's had a good show uh, And then she had dude readings at her table uh, Next to mine And I know she had at least two or three other people uh, In tears at some point uh, with the information she was giving them. And it was tears of joy, not tears of sadness. So, you know, it wasn't like she was telling them bad things and that's why they were crying. So, um, so yeah, big shout-out, Dan Class. Uh, and uh, Psychic, uh, New York Psychic Experience? I think, I want to say it. I, I may not have gotten that right. Um, but... Uh, these folks did a great job putting this on, and hopefully we're going to get invited back there again. I believe February is their next show. Also, they were also doing uh, uh, mini mini ghost tour, mini thirty minute ghost tours of the Statler throughout the day for ten bucks or something. It was a great chance to kind of get a quick history of the of the hotel, uh, quick haunted history of the hotel, and uh, go from there. So. Again, thank you uh, for, for inviting us. Dan, Dan's always good to us and uh, tries to keep us involved 
and we try to keep Dan involved with things that we do. And uh, when we can help him out with a charity benefit or anything like that, or when he's trying to raise money for something, I know he does stuff in Tano, Tanawanda, Tanawanda, uh, to help raise money for this, that, and the other thing. Uh, we'll make the six-hour round-trip drive to uh, give him a hand and uh, help him out in the Buffalo area. So, with all that being said, pet peeve of mine, pet peeve of mine, uh, within the paranormal community. It's a big community. I didn't realize how big. Uh, I sat down today and mapped it out. I went to what I think is a fairly reliable source for information, uh, paranormalsociety.com. And there you can list your paranormal team or paranormal group uh, by state, and they will post it, and they'll post a website and phone number, contact information. Uh, great place if you're looking for a team to go look. So I went to uh, paranormalsociety.com and uh, took time to write down each state and write down how many they had uh, actually officially on their books for state for groups. And I came up with a an amazing, I thought was an amazing total. Uh, based on current numbers today, and not to say those won't change, but there is 4,851 paranormal groups listed on the page pages at uh, paranormalsocieties.com. And uh, I just thought that number was crazy big, crazy big, crazy big. So, um, what you find though, what you find though, uh, in reality is that when you go back and look, probably, probably a third of all the teams listed, all the groups listed, and I would use those two words interchange, so I don't think I'm talking about something else if I say team instead of group or group instead of team, uh, probably about a third have no website listed at all for their group. Okay. I get it. Not everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone wants to pay to have a website. Not everyone knows how to do it. I get it. So of the two-thirds that have websites listed, probably close to half are websites that either go to a broken link or a deactive link, which means there may have been a website there at one point, but there isn't one there now. Or the website that they put there is just a domain name that's parked, and they haven't bothered to do anything with it. So, out of out of almost five thousand paranormal groups, about fifteen hundred ish actually have legitimate, valid contact information, a website you can go to and look at, and see what they have to offer. I found that number. Uh, I don't want to say disturbing, but it's sad. Um, it's sad that there's that few that are putting enough effort forward to promote themselves and what they're doing. Um, but I, this, and this is all building up to my pet peeve. This is this is not my pet peeve. I don't I don't care if you go on and list yourself as a group, list yourself whatever it is on these sites. More power to you. But people that are looking for help are going to these sites looking and they're getting these teams that are in their area and they don't exist or they, they may exist but they're hard to find or hard to get a hold of or whatever the case is. Um, and I get it. There's times that I've been less than uh, current on our website or our page. But I've gotten better, and I try to stay up on top of that, and I try not to let it get too far behind. Um, but yeah, I get it. Life gets busy, things get busy, blah, blah, blah. So we're moving up on my pet peeve. So the other day, and I've gotten into this debate before, I won't say argument, even though it's what it turns out to be usually, uh, debate before, and uh, I've talked about it on Let's Talk It All with Jeff. And um, 
I may even have mentioned this in some of the early episodes here on uh, Radio Free Anvil. Um, Para-unity. Para-unity. There is always a constant cry for para-unity within the community. And I get it. And I, I, I would agree. I would agree there needs to be para-unity, uh, people on the same page, people not uh, backbiting, not backstabbing, not bad-mouthing other groups, other teams, other people, um, knowing that we're all trying to get to the same goal, hopefully. But there is almost 5,000 groups, and even if you have only two people on a team, that's still 10,000 people, and the number's probably closer to, let's just say 30,000. Let's say 30,000. Let's say 30,000. So we've got a number close to 30,000 people that are in a field that is unregulated, unmonitored, and its only real source of guidance, unless you've been an established group for many, many years, these new groups, their only source of guidance is the reality TV shows, uh, Ghost Hunters, uh, Ghost Adventures, Dead Files, um, Ghost Brothers, uh, and any of the other ones that are out there that I have failed to mention. And, and there's reality, and then there's reality TV. And the two have very, very little in common. Um, no one talks on reality TV about the fact that for about every hour you spend investigating, there's about four or five hours worth of evidence to go through to do a thorough job. So if you spend four hours at a location, you need to set aside at least 20, 30 hours of your time after the fact to go through photos, to go through videos, to go through audio, to do research, to take care of all those things that go with the post-investigation that is actually where most of your evidence is found. I, you you got to understand that these these TV shows will go into a location for a day, two days, three days, and then have post-production and all this kind of stuff. And that's just to put together a 22 or a 44-minute show. They're giving you the best evidence they collected over 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it is. And sometimes that evidence is very thin. Uh, two, two knocks and a whistle, as we like to call it. Uh, no real good EVPs, mostly personal experiences, and of the th stuff that was caught on audio, it's a knock or a whistle or an unintelligible uh, whisper. So, and it's tough. Sometimes, sometimes the spirits are there, sometimes the entities are there, sometimes there's not. And that's just the nature of of the business. So that's the first thing, is that there's, there's, I think there's a huge misconception by a lot of people about what's involved with this enterprise, this field of, field of research. And they, they just, they're out there in name, but they're really not out there in practice. Um, I'm sure they get very discouraged, uh, especially if it's a group that just, you know, just got done binging uh, the last three seasons of Ghost Adventures with Zach and Aaron and the other folks and think that they can grab a flashlight and a tape recorder and, you know, tear apart their, you know, Xbox connects and go out and find ghosts and do all this stuff. Uh, a lot, lot, lot more involved in it. And um, they just need to understand that. So, my pet peeve, and I know I've been talking about this, and now I'm going on almost 
15 minutes and I haven't really gotten to my pet peeve yet. My pet peeve with the para-unity and the paranormal community and the paranormal field and investigators and researchers and all this stuff is the fact that words seem to have a lot of meaning to folks, especially those out in the paranormal field that, uh, heaven forbid, heaven forbid, you use the word expert attached to your name or your group or a person in your group because the community will just flip out and they will let you know, they will let you know that there is no such thing as an expert in the paranormal field. And to me, uh, that's crazy. Um, and they'll justify by saying, because the paranormal field is basically unproven science. It's, it's not, it's using some scientific equipment in a way that it wasn't meant to be used to capture an EVP or to detect a change in the electromagnetic field and that because it isn't established science, we don't know for sure that we're, we're dealing with ghosts or spirits. So how can you be an expert in something that is basically unproven? Which I find funny because the whole point of doing this, the whole point of doing paranormal investigation is to try to prove and try to, try to gather evidence that helps establish the fact that there is something after death and the the thing these people should be trying to prove they quickly point out that because you can't prove it means you can't be an expert at it and it's kind of I don't know it, it seems to be kind of self-defeating so I'm guessing these folks just are ones that want to run around in the dark with with uh, flashy blinky lights and get scared and have experiences or think they have experiences and tell their friends that they they hunt ghosts so again that's that's really now what the field's about um being a paranormal investigator being a paranormal researcher is is so much more than that it is so much more than what you see in the 22 or 44 minutes of a TV show um, and people just don't seem to understand that so yeah the the use of the word expert so give me a second let me grab out my my trusty iPhone okay so I've got it pulled up the dictionary app on my phone I believe it's Webster's or something like that you type in the word expert, E-X-P-E-R-T, and I get a noun. Noun, first definition, a person who has special skill or knowledge in some particular field, specialist or authority. I think those are two other words you can use. You need to be called a specialist or an authority. Uh, a l example they give is language expert. Um, second definition they offer is military, and is the highest rating in rifle marksmanship above that of marksman and sharp shooter uh, or a person that has achieved such a rating so definition for expert person who has a special skill or knowledge in some particular field well I would say that paranormal investigation and research is a definitely a particular field um special skills or knowledge um yeah i think if you're doing it correctly uh you need to learn the principles behind why you use emf detectors and uh energy detectors you need to learn the principle behind dowsing rods if you're using dowsing rods uh you need to learn the principles behind uh evp which is electronic voice phenomena. Uh, you need to look the principles behind um, interviewing and investigating and post-investigative post research. And 
so yeah, I think if you're doing the job correctly and you're doing it right, uh, yeah, you, you need to have special skills and knowledge in that particular field. So I'm not sure why everyone's getting so bent by the term expert. Except I do know why they're getting bent. I have a good idea why they're getting bent. Because there's so many people in this field right now. There's so many people that are just out there, like I said, running around, imitating what they see on TV, and knowing uh, that they're not... They're, they're doing a surface reflection of what the job is or what the what the job is or what the the hobby is um these could be people that, that maybe have never had an experience uh these people that have they, they they try to collect this evidence then you know don't bother to go through the evidence to check it or if they do they miss they miss the evps and some of those sometimes they're hard to get you've got to sit there and listen like i said for every hour that you're doing an investigation between the video, the photos, and the audio recordings, there's usually three to five hours per hour of investigation that you're doing post-investigative research and analysis. And that's a big commitment. You know, it's not just going someplace for a couple hours and then you're done. Um, so... So usually when they post this thing about the expert and they put it, you know, out there, it's usually on Facebook, and I know Facebook's usually, you know, not the best place to get into these things, but they'll say, oh, there's no such thing. Uh, anyone that says they are an expert is just ego. Uh, and the comments go on and on and on and on and on. Um, I got news for you. It, it's not just ego. You want to see ego? Watch Ghost Adventures with Zach Baggins. This man is the definition of ego in the paranormal field. Okay. Um, and and I like Zach. I think when they first started, they they did a great job. They stuck to the basics. They stuck to they stuck to the you know, we're gonna find evidence, we're gonna present it. And over the years, it's just gotten into how dramatic can we make this in order to keep our ratings up? How many times can I get possessed? Uh, how many times can I touch things I'm not supposed to touch? Uh, how many times can I send Aaron someplace that might be a little hazardous, a little creepy, uh, by himself? Uh, it's about ratings, folks. Um, and I don't care what the TV show is. If you're not getting ratings, you're getting you're going to get off the air, is what it is. So, am I saying they're falsifying evidence? No, I won't. I would never come out and directly say that. Um, but they make sure that there's enough drama, and you know the what was that noise? What was that sound? Did you hear that? Did you smell that? Uh, enough of that going on that okay. Well, the camera didn't catch it, but I just heard a clank. You know, well, maybe he did. And we can go personal experience on that. And I'm not going to say he didn't do that. But I would think with um, everything that's going on, uh, something would have caught that. Either one of your tape recorders, audio recorders, uh, one of the camera crews, uh, just those kind of things. But that's just me. So the pet peeve is I've been in this, I've been in this business, this hobby, this part-time job, whatever you want to call it. For about the last nine years, where I've actually gone out, investigated locations, come back, sat down, gone through hours and hours and hours of uh, evidence, and um, put together presentations, presented it, did reveals, things like that. Um, my background outside of that, I've done decades in retail management and before I did my decades in retail management I did a decade in security uh, both private and public where I had to investigate uh, incidents investigate occurrences and get a background as an investigator looking into uh, 
mysteries, shall we say. So I had a low investigative background. Uh, I have management background. Um, I have a tech background. Uh, I'm not. I'm not tech savvy enough to hack in anything, uh, but I'm good with electronic devices, uh, cell phones, cameras, camcorders, tape recorders, uh, blinky things, whatever it might be. That that was kind of my thing. I kind of handled the tech and the post investigation aspect of it. Uh, like doing research, I've had practice doing research, uh, tracking down people, tracking down property, those kind of things. So I've got a background prior to getting into the paranormal that kind of made it easier to get into the paranormal. Um, so if I call myself an, an expert, it's because... I've got nine years of experience in the field and I've got another almost three decades of experience outside the field that can easily be applied to the field that I'm working in. And I think anyone that's got a significant amount of time in has done a fair amount of investigations, uh, has shown that they can go through amount of evidence and come up with come up with uh, findings and clues um, they want to call themselves an expert as well God bless them and you can have more than one expert I'm not saying I'm the champion paranormal investigator like I am the best investigator in the whole wide world but I'm saying that I'm an expert in what I do and let me tell you if you're going to invite people into your home or into your business to investigate it and you have a choice of picking someone that's got 9, 10, 15 years experience or someone that's got 9, 10, 15 weeks of experience, I would hope you pick the one that has the more experience, that has the, the, the qualifications to give you the best results possible. And usually when you're looking for people like that, you're looking for an expert. I, I rarely go out to look to hire someone and immediately get turned off by the fact that they claim to be an expert. You know, if I've got a plumber, I want a plumber that does a good job. I want the plumber that's an expert in his field. Not saying the expert, but a expert. And maybe that's the difference. Maybe maybe when you type in the word expert, it should say a expert, not the expert. I guess the expert would make you believe that, that you are the all-knowing, all-seeing. And obviously that's not it, because there's always going to be something new. There's always going to be some learning you have to do. You don't stop learning. Um, I would consider Albert Einstein, when it comes to physics, to have been an expert in physics. Albert Einstein. Uh, but he knew nothing of string theory and knew little to nothing of quantum physics. So, was Einstein not an expert? Just a novice when it came to things like nuclear power, nuclear fission, uh, speed of light? You know, you got to ask yourself a question. Are we getting a little crazy about these things? And do we just not really put a lot of thought in what we're saying? So... Why do I think people get so bent out of shape about the term expert? It's because, in my opinion, the people that are getting bent out of shape are those that either aren't overly active in the field or those that really haven't taken the time to be as educated as possible and as experienced as possible to be discussing the subject. Because if you've put in the time, you've put in the training to the best of your ability, and you're, you're up on the most current, most modern theories, most modern training, most modern investigative techniques, uh, you are using equipment that is proven, tried and true for you, then... I find it hard to call you a novice, to call you 
to lump you in the same group as those that put their name out there as a paranormal group but can't bother to have a website. And if they do have a website, can't bother to keep it current and updated. It's a, you know, it's a, it's an all, it's an all or nothing process. You know, if you don't, if you can't even take the time to update your website, then are you putting in time to go through the evidence properly? Are you getting back to your clients? Are you, are you just investigating the hot spots, or do you go to someone's house because they're having a problem? And again, people that are having problems and issues, and this is where I think, whether you're just doing this as a novice or you're doing this as an expert. You, you, I hope, have an idea of what you're going to do if you find something at a location. Do you know what to do? Do you know what's going on? Is there, you know, can you help these people if they have an actual problem? You you get VPs. You get, uh, you get the scary voice that says, get out, or an apparition that appears to you. You know, do you know how to talk people through? Do you have the connections to get a hold of a priest, get a hold of a clergyman, get a hold of a uh, someone that can help either bless the house or excise the house, excise the people, you know, or are you just going to go in, possibly ramp something up, and then say, okay, yeah, you got to go, and, you know, we'll see you later. Because... Those people aren't experts. Okay. Um, Amy Allen and Scott DeShevel from the Dead Files <clears throat> will go in, and Amy will go in, and uh, she'll actually, at the end of it all, have someone, uh, have the local sketch artist draw up a picture that she describes. And then, you know, she reveal that to the client and then give the client a list of options of what, what she feels they need to do to either move the spirits along or cleanse the house or take care of the evil spirits, whatever it is, okay? I am, I am very much hoping that no one would argue with the fact that Amy Allen is probably an expert in the field. If someone's giving that level of recommendation to a civilian that has a problem, I would hope that they would be considered an expert in the field. Um, and if you get a problem with that, then you need to reevaluate what you're what you're looking at doing because you obviously don't understand the field, don't understand what's going on, don't understand the true reason that a lot of investigators and researchers are out there, and you're just in it for the kicks. And I know I'm going to take a lot of pushback about this, but that's just the way it is. Um, when Alani and I go out, and, and Alani has the ability to cleanse a house. Uh, Alani has the ability to work with a person and protecting themselves if there's something that is uh, unwanted in the house. Uh, Alani will try to get things to leave. Either go into the light or leave altogether, but leave people alone. Does it always work? No. And if it doesn't, we have other recommendations we can give, other resources we can go to to, to help folks out. And if we're in over our heads, we just say, look, we're in over our heads. This is who you need to speak to. And hopefully, the people take that recommendation. Um, we don't see it a lot, and I don't think, and I think in the grand scheme of things, you don't see it a lot when you do investigations. Um, I know Zach does. I know every, every time Zach has a show, he's getting possessed. Uh, I know Amy Allen and Steve and the Dead Files, their locations are usually a hotbed of evilness. Um, but as a rule, uh, you don't, you don't usually wind up investigating, uh, the houses like the Amityville Horror and things like that, where you've got an evil trying to kill people. And that's, that's the exception, not, not necessarily the rule. 
Okay, so that's the first thing too that you gotta understand is that reality TV and reality are two different two different animals altogether. So that is my peeve is that people that are afraid to use the word expert when you do use the word expert, people get bent and immediately get on the defensive and call you out without having a clue about who you are, what you've done. In, in your background and I think before you call someone out on whether they're an expert or not or whether they should use the word expert or not uh, you need to know that, you need to know what their background is you need to know what their level of training is because again, the definition in this one dictionary and I'm sure it varies from dictionary to dictionary a little bit but basically if you put forth the time, the effort, the training have got the experience, then you're probably well-educated and by being well-educated, an expert in the field. You know, that's like, uh, that's like people who uh, get bent out of shape because a psychic medium charges for her services. Um, I don't know what you're getting bent out of shape for. They've been, they've been charging for their services for years and I'm starting to delve a little bit away from paranormal now. I'm looking at just as, just as a psychic medium doing doing their thing, talking to dead people, bringing messages across messages uh, across the veil, across the universe, however you want to look at it. Um, I, I laugh when there are people like, "Oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't charge for that." Well, okay, that's that's your opinion, and that's great that you can be so so free with a skill that you probably don't have to say that you shouldn't be charging um, I admit you shouldn't be ripping people off and there's a lot of frauds out there and I get this maybe why you say that is that well because there might be a fraud they shouldn't charge but the ones that are legitimate have a legitimate skill have a legitimate skill set a gift to be able to talk to the dead be able to do those kind of things um there's no reason why they shouldn't be compensated for what they're doing. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of energy. And there are people that know and people that don't. And the ones that don't are clueless and really, really shouldn't even comment on the subject. Okay? Uh, when it's your skills and, and your ability, then you are more than welcome to not charge anyone for what you're doing. Uh, if you are an ace mechanic, you are good with cars, you can fix a car like no one else, um, you know, why wouldn't you charge for that skill? You know, why wouldn't you charge when you fix a car? Uh, why wouldn't you charge for any other customer service thing that you do if that's a skill set that you have either had to learn or were born with and have available. People pay all the time. Okay. So, anyway, that's the other thing that gets me. Um, people that just are quick to tell you how you should run your life and run your business uh, based on zero background and zero knowledge of either the person they're talking to or the subject they're talking on. So, I'll end my rent with that. Again, expert. I would rather have an expert than a novice uh, helping me, training me, you know. And that and that's where it becomes, this is where it becomes a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Because now you got groups out there that really aren't that well-trained, aren't that experienced, and they're teaching other people things to do and maybe giving them wrong information and, 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 uh, explaining to them and teaching them wrong skill sets that are in the fact that it won't accomplish what they want to accomplish. It could actually be putting people in harm's way because you're not adequately explaining to people the potential risks. And there's are, there are potential risks. If you uh, will use the term Ouija board. You know, everyone freaks out about a Ouija board. But they can be used safely. You just got to know what the rules are and use them and do them. 
And it's a portal. And a lot of things can be a portal. You can open up a portal just by saying the wrong thing. By inviting whatever is in this room to come forward and make themselves present known. Um, Ouija board just gets a bad rep because it's got a bad rep to begin with. And then it's an also an object. It's an actual physical object that people can point to and say, yeah, it's that, it's that evil piece of cardboard made by Milton Brothers. Um, yeah, it's, you've got to be careful what you do. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we believe are rules that govern the paranormal universe. And it may or may not be right. We don't know for sure because it's paranormal, it's unknown, it's above the normal and we don't know, but we, we, we try to abide by these rules, and so far, abiding by these rules has not harmed us. So, <coughs> excuse me, enough about this. So, obviously you know where I stand. I believe there are experts in the field. I trust these experts. I go to these experts to get answers that I can't answer, and if someone asks me, I feel I'm an expert as well. I mean, I know all the answers, but whatever I don't know, I'll find out or try to find out. Um, but I'm not going to group myself as a novelist. I'm not going to group myself as an enthusiast. Um, if you'd rather have me call myself uh, an authority in the field, you'd be better with the word authority, then I can be an authority in the field. Uh, I can be a specialist in the field. Um, I find that I am quite well adapted at picking out EVPs and uh, trying to get those, um, things like that. So uh, if you don't like it, you don't like it, but please don't don't try to uh, run me down because you don't have the same confidence or skill sets uh, in the same field that we're in. So there we go with that. So while we're talking about these things, there was a show on a few weeks ago, it started October, where they did, um, Travel Channel did a live event at Salem. And let me tell you, this thing, in my opinion, uh, I don't say my expert opinion, but in my, in my well-experienced and educated opinion, uh, was a debacle for the most part. Um, they had three or four things going on at the same time. They kept cutting from one camera to the other camera and not really giving any one thing they were doing enough time to see any kind of results. But some of the things I found funny, that I found really funny, uh, and this one ties in, is that they actually referred to a gentleman as a paranormal expert. And that they were bringing in this paranormal expert to help the Ghost Brothers do, uh, like, a seance. So I found it funny that the Trail Channel recognizes paranormal experts, but apparently the community can't. Uh, the big thing I had the biggest problem with is at one point, they brought in... Oh, let me see if I can remember their names. I want to say the last name is Newkirk, maybe? And they were going to do, uh, they were going to set up a, a sacred circle. And within the sacred circle, they were going to do um, a sigil. And they were going to try to call forth whatever was in the house into the circle through the sigil and use it as a portal. So far, I'm okay with things. Then they want to try an experiment where they're going to have the, the audience at home focus on the sacred circle and the sigil. And they wanted the people at home to focus and try to open up the portal on their end as well. And open up the portal like they were opening up the portal. 
that's where things got a little crazy. Um, again, I, I fall back on my years of training in this particular field. Uh, things I've learned from people I talk to, people that have mentored me, mentored me, and rule number one, or at least it should be rule number one, is never open up anything you can't close. Never summon forward anything you can't put back. Um, what happened with them in Salem's up to them, but when you're telling people at home when you have no idea what their level of training is or than they like to watch this stuff to open up portals I think that's just out and out out and out irresponsible and nothing but a grab for ratings and what I thought was funny and it was live it was live and because it was live, no one kind of knew. It seemed like the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. So inside the circuit circle, uh, along with um, the couple, I want to say the one gentleman's name is Greg. Greg, I want to say Newkirk, but that may not be right. Um, they had chip coffee. He got put off with their group. And... Uh, of all the people in the room, when they started about talking about breaking the circle and shutting it down and closing the portal, Chip had this look like what the what the heck look on his face. He's like, "What about the people at home? How are they going to close their portals?" And no one kind of answered him. He asked again, a little more concerned, and no one answered. And they they switched to another another area, another scene, another group of people. And Chip had every right to be concerned because he understood. He understood. He's been around long enough to know. He knows how these things work. That if if the goal was to have people at home open up portals, how are we getting the people at home to close those portals if they don't know how to do it? So, you know, and there's been no mass reports of, you know, crazy stuff going on, but I just found that to be irresponsible. And in unprofessional of a room full of supposedly responsible professional people. So, like I said, uh, it was kind of fun to watch, but it was also disturbing because they were just, like I said, being irresponsible, not being professional, and. I just think it was the wrong thing to do. No one, no one, I don't think anyone thought this through to its conclusion. So, that was a few weeks ago. Um, other than that, I just kind of wanted to keep this show uh, as much about paranormal stuff as possible. And I know it was peeves. So, but understand what I'm saying. 4,851 groups. And only about a third of those are actually, probably actually active investigative research groups. So what's what are the other two-thirds doing? What are the other 3,500 people, or 3,500 groups, probably close to 20,000 people, what are they doing out and about investigating? That's I think that's a it's a fair question to ask. You know, are they are they doing investigating or are they just kinda hanging out on Facebook to jump in on stupid conversations and and bash people? Um like I said, I love Facebook, I find it entertaining. Um but there's always stupid questions people are asking out there to try to get a conversation started. And like I said, but every every two or three months, the one about expert comes up, and then uh, there's one about 
using psychic medium. Oh, that was their thing. The, so, the, uh, the Salem thing, the the commentator, the, the MC of this whole deal, the circus man, ringmaster, um, made the comment that, uh, you know, they had, you know, they had experienced psychic mediums here and, you know, that they're so integral to the process of doing a paranormal investigation. And I found that statement to be hysterical. Um, not because, not because he's, he made the statement. I find the statement itself to be very factual. But the fact that on the Travel Channel, on a reality TV show, they made that statement because 10 years ago, 11 years ago, whatever it was, uh, you would almost never, at least on the American shows, uh, you would never see a psychic medium being brought in. Um, in fact, one of the requirements, it used to be, and, I, and I'm sure it's changed, but one of the requirements to be a TAPS member, uh, the Atlantic Paranormal Group, and to be a family member of TAPS, is that you you could only use the scientific method to be considered part of the TAPS family. Which means no mediums, no psychics. It had to be all what you could get on a recorder, or a millimeter, or a K2 meter, or on film. Um, I know the the shows over in uh, England and Europe, uh, they use mediums all the time. Chip and Chip's done stuff over there, and uh, oh, I can't think of the guy's name on uh, the the uh, England English one. But uh, they were always getting possessed and taken over and, and things like that. Um, I will tell you, if, first of all, you got to be sure that your medium is who they say they are. Um, how do you know they can do what they can do? How have you vetted your psychic medium that works with your group? Um I've vetted Alani, uh, not only because she's my wife, but because I've seen her work. I've seen her in a gallery format be talking to people about things that were, were probably the exact opposite of a cold reading. Where not only did she talk about cigarettes, but she talked about Cigarettes that don't exist anymore, like Chesterfields, and how that's what her great grandfather smoked, or whatever the case was. Or I've seen Alani again. I think I started the start of this uh, because Alani is so accurate and so close to what's what what's going on that her people that she's talking to and reading for are in tears because it's hitting so close, so close to home. And um, I have no doubt about Lonnie's ability, and and uh, you know, and and again, but she doesn't have the, she doesn't have the dramatic flair. Um, I always I always kind of make fun of Chip Coffee because Chip Coffee can be so dramatic, um, but I think he's he's as equally gifted, you know. And there's others out there, but keep in mind, Lonnie has. Over 50 years of experience. 50 years of seeing dead people, dead children, dead women, dead men. And I'll tell you, for whatever reason, Alani doesn't always draw in the ones that died peacefully. Um, I know for a while she was seeing a lot of violent, violent crime, violent deaths, um, murders, drownings, um, Lots of things that you you wouldn't want to have to see. Um, the most recent one that I thought was just a phenomenal, and this was uh, and played this on our first my first show was the trip to Hinsdale, um, where she encountered something very old and very unpleasant. Um, we actually uh, took 
Alani's description back to our intuitive artist who does our sketchings for us. And uh, she drew up a couple interesting sketches, and they're available on our website, uh, specters.us, S-P-E-C-T-E-R-S dot U-S. And um, if you go into uh, evidence cases, evidence, and then evidence, look up under sketches and Hinsdale House. Uh, there is a evil, a dark entity, and a being of light. And um, these were these were crazy things. And Alani had to do some. Alani had to do some crazy stuff to help Daniel, who owns the house, and the being of light push this evil entity back outside where it wouldn't do any harm to anyone that was in the room. Um, so if you have a medium that you trust and that you believe in, they are one of the greatest tools you have on an investigation. They can point you in the right direction. They can help you better understand what you're coming in contact with. Um, when we have the opportunity to have our intuitive artist with us, um, she's actually doing live sketches of the dead people doing sketches in real time based on what she sees and giving us an actual real time picture of entities that are in and about where we're doing the investigation uh, Suzanne is remarkable and it was an experiment we did back in 2015 and she rose to the challenge and it was, it was the first time she'd ever done anything like that. <clears throat> and it was amazing. Um, it's almost like a form of automatic writing. But instead of a word or words, um, she draws pictures. And uh, those sketches are available, again, on our website, specters.us. And, um, again, it's just when we, when we get her. She's very busy with work. Her schedule's very... I thought my schedule and Alana's schedule was chaotic. Uh, Suzanne's is ten times worse. So we don't get around a lot of investigations, but when we do, um, she puts out some really great results. So uh, we're coming up in an hour, and I'm going to keep this, this segment at an hour or a little bit less. And I just want to say, I'm excited that there's so many people out there doing this I am just hoping that you are trained that you are experienced if you're not experienced and not trained get with a group get with a group that's been around for a while and learn from them before you go off on your own learn how to protect yourself learn how to protect your clients um, learn what you have to do what you can do if you come up against something but it's all about being safe. And right now, I think there's a lot of groups out there not being safe and just going about willy-nilly and then taking taking the high horse position uh, when it comes to Facebook and other places to try to tell others that, uh, well, you know, you're not this, you're not that because you don't do this, you don't do that. So... Enough said. Uh, the dead horse has been beaten as much as we can possibly beat it. Uh, hopefully I do not come back to this topic ever again. So, pet peeve. Don't tell me I'm not an expert. Um, I think by definition alone, I am. My group is. Alani is. A lot of the people I deal with are. Uh, if you don't like expert, I'll start using the word authoritative. Um, authority. Your, your paranormal authority. Uh, so if you don't like expert, we can go with authority. But um, instead of being worried about what I'm calling myself, you need to focus on getting yourself to a level that people look at you and say, well, you know, you probably are an expert. So you can probably, you know, you can use that. So until next time, this is Anvil with Radio Free Anvil. R-F-A. Saying, be safe, 
be out there. And if you can't do something right, at least do something good. And now for the legal or paralegal statement. The opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the expressor and may or may not represent the opinions of the podcast creator. Application of the First Amendment is all the legal needed to say what you want to say. Sarcasm, parody, direct facts, social media, parroting, confidential sources, he say, she say, hearsay, are all tools of the podcast arsenal. This podcast covers any and all topics seem fit. No topic is safe, no person is safe, friend, foe, and everything in between is fair game. Objections can be emailed to radiofreeamble at gmail.com or call 1-800-DON'T-LISTEN.